you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast is going to lock it up. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. It is the big preview show. For the first time um, this season... 16 games to talk about. Not the last time. Got Up the pack show. Next week as well. Next week as well. But I said first time. No Thursday night football. First time you don't hear that at the top of a Thursday show. Um, and Greg, you're gonna. we're going to really need the Greg Rosenthal playoff uh, calculator online today. We got to make sure no one picks up a phone in a different room. Mm. We need that 56K to hook up. Because this is where you make your money. Greg. Greg Rosenthal playoff calculator now online. I like the nugget about someone else picking up the phone. That would constantly oh, throw me horrible. offline back in the in those ages. That was an automatic automatic disconnect. Oh, just it would, right? it, it would yep. Yeah. An absolute nightmare if you're trying to All the to millennials are like, what the hell are you talking about? It's called history. Um yes. Sixteen games to talk about and um What's your favorite game? What game are you looking forward to the most, Mark, in week 16? Brownies getting that W? I, I have my eye on that game. I'll leave it you at need that. This I don't one. know if, if, if what I'm looking forward to is how I'd put it, but it's on my radar. I, I, I have my eye on it. <laughs> with a lot of games with no juice, that kind of it doesn't really matter. It's like, that game matters. It, it does. nothing else, the Browns are playing games that matters. I, I think Wes joins me here, too. I've enjoyed the Niners down the stretch, so I've Jags asked, Niners asked to watch is that game. Sneaky fun yeah. game. Um, all right. You guys want to get into it? Let's get into We're here to talk football, right? By the way, big ups to our group. We encountered, our, our show is beginning a little bit late because we encountered a studio riddled with crumbs and pie pieces all over the, uh, the desk where we broadcast from. And we quickly got that cleaned up to, so we can get the show going. Yeah, Damashek and Money and Cynthia and, and uh, Handsome Hank, they ran a little long with their time. Uh, which, you know, it happens. It happens to us too sometimes. But then there's just crumbs everywhere. And then I pick up the headset because I use the same chair as Shaq. 
and the actual mouthpiece has crumbs all over it, which is a little bit it's, beyond the pale. That's a little bit beyond borders there with the mannerisms. Yeah. I'll have to tweet that photo out. All right. Let's get into the game. Everybody ready now? Please. Wes, I see your velour suit jacket. Uh, what is that? Velvet? That's beautiful. That's it's a, velvet. That is 100% pure sex is what that is, Wes. <laughs> this was picked out by me and not the Paramore. Really? Yeah, I've had to, because of the massive weight loss, I've had right. to buy a whole new wardrobe, essentially. So I needed, I like the look that Mark often has with the jacket and jeans. I, I needed that yeah. look in my life. I, I use Mark as a compass for fashion as well. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say one thing. I feel like Greg put a nice effort in on his outfit, and he's been upstaged by Wes. And I would like to say that Greg's, I don't know what it is. It's like a sort of a cardigan, very a cardigan. holiday. A black know? on black, though. A black cardigan on a black t-shirt. It's... It's, it's like going a guy back that's to your going roots. to a funeral on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Greg often reminds me of Johnny Cash. Uh, yeah, strong, silent type. Let's get into the games. Here we go. Let's start in order. We always go in order. And this is the one week. And a reminder, we will not have a Sunday night show this week because of Christmas. Tuesdays when we'll go over all these games. Uh, but the week 16 games play out over three days. And they start on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. The Indianapolis Colts, 3-11. and uh, travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens, who are eight and six. Uh, the Ravens uh, lost that heartbreaker against Pittsburgh two weeks ago. Uh, got healthy against Cleveland, and now they have a very good chance, uh, Mark Sessler, to get to ten and six with a win at home against Indy, and then get Cincy in Week Seventeen. Mm. They look like a, a really good uh, setup for a playoff team, right? Yeah, I mean, barring something utterly illogical in in a week to week NFL. You're absolutely right. I do look at a team, the Ravens, that are 1-5 against teams they encounter with a winning record. And so let's say they get in the playoffs, and it's the Patriots, Steelers, Jaguars, Chiefs. I'll throw the Chargers in there out of personal delight, and the Ravens. Which one of those teams is Baltimore better than? Chiefs, I think they're competitive with any team. Competitive, right but I'm saying I think they can are, win they, are they better than any of them? I don't teams. think they're much of an underdog, in my mind at least, with whoever they play in the first round, which will probably be Kansas City or Jacksonville. Since they're by, they're, they are 4-1 and one with an average score of 31-17, to 17, and that only loss was the one that Pittsburgh came back, and it was their best offensive performance of the year. They're a different team than they were earlier on. Right, but, that, that, game, if, if, that game more than anything kind of convinced me, all right, like the first eight weeks, ten weeks of the season, they sort of don't make any difference. It's how it's how you look. Just right surviving now. them. Yep. Alex Collins not looking healthy though, and he is such a key part of their team. Uh, they spelled him a little bit last week, and it's the first he's had injury problems in the in the past. Maybe the workload's catching up. He's someone I'm kind of going to watch closely this week. See how he's looking. Cleveland shut him down. Any other thoughts on this game? The Colts are in trouble because the Ravens absolutely pummel tomato cans. And especially bad quarterbacks. The Colts ranked 31st in offensive DVOA by out by Football Outsiders and 31st in drive success success rate. As much promise as Br- Jacoby Brissett has shown, he's not been a good quarterback this year. The la- well, I think he was good for about half the season, but he is struggling to come down the stretch like the rest of this team. They were bad to begin with, and they're incredibly injury plagued. Like I saw this week, John Bostic went on IR, and he's their leading. Mister John Bostic, and I thought John Bostic is their leading tackler. Like that's that's not a good sign. Uh, it seemed to be a little bit of a rush to crown Jake Brisket as a uh, potential real franchise quarterback. Holds the ball too long. Piece of that I think Brisket. he has a chance to be a good quarterback. I think he's been pretty good for a second year player I, I was in impre- a really tough situation. Yeah, he came in and learned the offense and showed 
promise right away, which, I mean, I'm watching quarterbacks every week that aren't doing that. He's not perfect, though. The Ravens are very opportunistic. They're plus 17, turnover differential, best in football. So you can expect some uh, shenanigans to happen uh, with the Colts on offense, potentially. And one one positive note on the Colts offense. So this one's for you, Greg. Uh-oh. Frank Gore uh, last week uh, went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. He is just the fourth player um, since 2012 to go over 1,000 yards, 34 years or older. Mm. So it's a nice, nice it done. by your boy. He'll get, get to tw- he'll get the 1,200 yards get like that plug 11 in. straight times. No, nah, we're in. good. We're good now. It's passed. <laughs> no, it's fine. NFL.com slash Frank Gore. John Riggins. I think plug. he might play next year. I think he's played well enough to get a job somewhere. And he, God, uh, I he hope the Colts to. upgrade. Uh, let's yeah, it mo- won't be an indie. <laughs> let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings, 11-3. and three. Uh, they are in line. They have a shot here uh, to uh, get the first seed still, and now they travel to Green Bay uh, on Saturday night. Here's a bummer game. We were tweeting a little bit back and forth, Greg Rosenthal and I, uh, yesterday. This would have been a really, really fun Saturday night uh, game to watch. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers and the Panthers, or and the Packers couldn't get it done against the Panthers. Rodgers officially sent to injured reserve on Wednesday. Um, Devontae Adams, who got concussed on that cheap shot from Thomas Davis, he's not going to play in this game. Uh, so it looks like the Vikings, West have a very golden opportunity to get to 12-3 and three going into Week 17. I don't think it's a gimme game. The Vikings are the much better team. Uh, the Packers tend to be a little... I'm not going to say they're... In any way, are they better off without Rodgers? But they are a more balanced offense with a stronger running game when Rodgers isn't in there. Um, but the Vikings are so much better. And Case Keenum is the NFL's highest rating, highest rated passer since week, week 10, 111 rating. He's compared this offense to driving a Lamborghini. Ooh. And when you see guys like Jarek McKinnon, who to me reminds me so much of last year's Tevin Campbell with his sharp cuts and his home run ability, uh, and Pat Shermer's ability to get get him the ball in space to make people miss. So he, he reminds me of Tevin Coleman, and I think Stephon Diggs, people forget. Adam Thielen made the Pro Bowl, but Diggs was the better receiver in September before he injured his groin. Diggs is a bit of an X factor going into the playoffs. They could have a wide receiver core that's as good as anybody's. There are so many potential vacancies opening up that Pat Shermer may wind up again as a head coach for what he's done this season. I, this Vikings team, what I like about them, I feel like they've flown, even though they're the number two seed and they're going to hold on to that because they play the Bears next week, they, to me, have flown under the radar. I think people are waiting for the other shoe to drop still if they're not watching them weekly because someone named Case Keenum is their quarterback. But they are the only team in the league with top 10 passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, and rushing defense. They are complete everywhere. I cannot believe Harrison Smith did not make the Pro Bowl. That's, yeah, that's outrageous. Wild. The Pro Bowl is a joke. And... I think the Pro Bowl, for once I looked at like the snubs list, I was like, yeah, there's only two or three really crazy ones. But Harrison Smith, Cam Hayward were, were two of the ones that stuck out to me. The Vikings, I think, are really battle-tested. They had that five-week stretch where they played the best teams in the NFC, and it was almost like a playoff scenario. Keenum's trying to keep his job. They go 4-1 and one in that stretch. Then they come out of that and bash a cupcake last week. And at this point, I think the Packers <laughs> you know, might be a, a, a cupcake. They're kind of looking ahead. I'm looking ahead and wondering – is this finally the year Dom Capers goes? God, gosh, it feels like it. Never, bro. He's, he's gave, unkillable. They like, gave up 29 first downs to the Panthers last week. Is this the year, you know, they make a decision about cutting Jordy Nelson? You know, even when Ed Rodgers came back, that did not save him whatsoever. Randall Cobb's making a lot of money. It's just, I feel like there's a lot of decisions here. Um, Clay Matthews is another guy, maybe could get cut. No pass rush last week. 
to the point that the Vikings, Lamborghini's a little strong, but 28 points a game over the last seven weeks, that is not a small sample size. They've been scoring points in bunches. Um, they got to be the slight favorite. The if we got to pick a favorite, aren't they the slight favorite in the, in the NFC? NFC? Aren't they the slight favorite? I would favorite? take the Rams. The Rams are very dangerous, but I'd I, would lo- I would take the Vikings over the Eagles right now. What is the path no to the one seed for Minnesota? They need the Eagles to lose twice, so that's they got to win out, and struggling. the Eagles got to lose out. But they will get it. They'd have to trip up entirely to not get the bye. They're they're locked in for that. Um, let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, came close to p- forcing overtime against the Falcons on Monday night. Couldn't do it. So now in a short week, they go to Charlotte. Uh, to face the Panthers, another team with a lot to play for, uh, looking to win their division, looking to maybe get a first-round bye if some things go, go their way. Uh, so here's another, as we're going through these early uh, games in Week 16, another mismatch on paper, Greg. It is, because I trust the Panthers more right now and because Cam Newton is playing so well. Last three weeks, he he has got the job done. Not all with you know, through the air, but the X factor of him picking up third and eights, third and nines on the ground. I think he's playing really well. And they're a team on paper. You think maybe they're a little lucky. They lead the league in one score wins, but it sort of doesn't matter now. Cause I think they're playing. They're about at their best right now. They have McCaffrey playing his best of the season. Olsen is back and playing and Demir birds kind of been a factor. It, he helps their offense. They are in better shape now to maybe make a Super Bowl run than any point all season. It's crazy that we think of this as kind of a defense first team with an inconsistent offense. But since they traded Kelvin Benjamin, since week 10, they lead the NFL in scoring offense, rushing yards per game, and red zone TD percentage. (laughs) They are a different team than people think they are. And like you said, it's Cam running the ball. They score touchdowns on 14% of their drives when Cam does not have a designed run. But that goes up to 36%, which is one of the highest rates in history when he does have a, high, a designed run. In their defense, last four games, 27, 31, 24, and 24 points. This isn't the Panthers of 2015 knocking people down. No one's scoring more than 10, 12 points against them. And they're much different on defense. They have a new defensive coordinator. They never used to blitz in the past. Now they're the most blitz-happy team in the league. Uh, and their defensive coordinator, uh, Steve Wilkes, could be getting a head coaching interview jobs like that's kind of the the sneaky Ron Rivera coaching tree over there uh the sneaky Ron Rivera coaching I'm just saying he like sneaky produces, little tree produces some, some that's coaches. a branch of the Andy Reid coaching yeah, tree yeah that's fair the uh Greg Olson development of him and we were talking about on Sunday how he has that late career Keith Hansis kind of hitched to his giddy up but he's still a producer Olson going nine for 116 in a touch that adds a huge element to their offense and Cam um, so that I agree. They haven't they lost are, a game when he's in there. NFC five and zero with Olsen on the field. It, it sucks that Carson Wentz is not involved, but the NFC is still going to be a great uh, playoff uh, situation. Panthers Falcons next week is is kind of the week seventeen game. I'm circling. No matter what, that game is going to matter. All right, let's uh, move on and talk about the Cleveland Browns traveling to Chicago to face the Bears. Not a ton of intrigue here. John Fox, he's history. Hugh Jackson. Will, it looks like he's going to be head coaching somewhere. Whether it's in Cleveland, Cincinnati, I don't get the. But who knows the un the un you know the 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 demand for this guy in multiple cities in Ohio. I'm not quite sure. I mean, if if you got a chance to get the guy who's directed the fewest wins in a two season span in the history of uh, what else would you do? I mean, it's a little weird. (laughs) You wonder what photos he has of who. Uh, But here's the good news. Here's the upshot, Mark. the The downshot is that you're own fourteen. 
And next oh, week, I don't like down shot. And <laughs> neither do I. And next week, you got Pittsburgh and a Steelers team that might really need it. Uh, the upshot, the Bears. They're the Bears. They've been terrible during John Fox's entire run. And even if you do lose this game, uh, you do clinch that number one pick, and you will have, barring a Brownsian mishap, a hot shot young quarterback in a few months. Right now, there is no upshot. The, I mean. Look, downshot. Yeah, yeah the, I really want them to get the number one pick. I don't want Buck anyone shot. else to control that. But here's the thing: you go 0 16, no one's ever going to forget about it. And everyone attached to this team, it's an utter embarrassment. And I and I don't look at this as a game that they can go in and call themselves the better team necessarily. I think Cleveland may have the better roster, but I'm not sure the coaching, especially on offense, has gotten the most out of a lot of those players. The Bears beat up the Bengals two weeks ago and lost to the Lions by 10 points when Trubisky really came unraveled, I thought, and threw some bad picks and turned the ball over. I I think Chicago is not an automatic out for Cleveland. Cleveland is the one of the worst. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's I get that everyone's saying this is their chance to win. People this say that every of, week. Right. But no, yeah, no one they're an underdog in any game. They should their be. They are the that. worst red zone offense I think I have ever watched in my entire life and it tracks to and you know what? Kaiser is not ready for the job, but I feel like they shattered his confidence 2 months ago and that's on coaching too. So sure I don't is. think Cleveland comes out of this 1 in 14. I think they come out of this 0 in 15. And I'm so sure Oh, no. no. I'm throwing Mark. Lindsay for a curveball. Don't do this. Don't do this to the Browns. I'll do whatever I want because I'm riding high on the... I have gotten locks right week after week. I'm locking up the Bears. Oh. You know what? Linz, let's do a lock off. I'm locking up the Brownies. This let's is the greatest go, thing that has ever happened. Dan is let's one go. game ahead of me. Let's go. And I just coaxed Dan into locking up the Browns. It's going to happen. My work is done. What's going on? I don't know what happened, That was Mark. all strange. There's like a, I don't need it seems you to wrong approve on it. the holiday. It, <laughs> I don't need you to approve it's it. It's not in the holiday spirit there to pick is, a lock against, this is against the, your own Brown. It is absolutely fine. I've locked them you're, up three getting, times this season and have been destroyed by them. I get, I get it. You're this is for the city of Cleveland. That's This is my gift to you. Mark may have abandoned you. I will not do it. There's going to be an you urgency. You can PR this. You can add <laughs> your public relations spin uh, all you want. No one buys that I'm not a Browns fan. No one cares who I'm locking up in Cleveland. Um, the Browns, there's going to be a level of urgency because they know the Week 17 situation. It's a big deal to go. And, and Yes, it is, but it's, it was a big Bears, deal a month ago. The Bears stink, and I think the Browns have come close. I think this is when it's going to happen. If the Browns suddenly, off, now, suddenly now have awoken to the fact that they need to win a game, I'd be very concerned about the organization from head to toe. I don't think there's this awakening that's occurred now. Let's go, Brownies! Suddenly this is the biggest game on, on Christmas Eve. Oh, this is fun. Mark, come on, baby. I like it. Let's I'm go. one Let's game behind play. you in the lockoff. I want that trophy that you think you're going to get. All right, so now you want the trophy, too. It's all coming out. Well, we're getting a trophy either way. Better sit on my L- desk. How Lindsay's about that? working on the trophy. Can't wait. You're working on the trophy, right, Oh, Liz? yeah. We're working on it. we got big things planned for the trophy. Can't uh, wait to see oh, it. Oh, another lockoff. All right, let's I move on. It. The Detroit Lions. <laughs> Eight and six. Hanging around. This is what they do. They hang around. They annoy everybody. And then they get in the back door uh, of the playoff race, and then they get smoked in the divi- in the wild card round. Maybe it changes this year. They got the Cincinnati Bengals, and again, again, a, a game on paper. Chris Wessling that appears to be a mismatch because Cincinnati's been the worst team in football for two and a half uh, games. Well, the, the Lions are sort of like the NFC's version of the Ravens. They are seven and zero against bad teams and one and six against good teams. Mm. 
They pummel tomato cans. And the Bengals are absolutely a, a cupcake right now. <laughs> they are. It, they've been called twice. They've been called cupcake twice now on the show. They the difference, I think, in coaching and surrounding talent is evidenced more by the Bengals than any team in the league. 2015, Andy Dalton and A.J. Green mm. led one of the best offenses in franchise history. 2017, they're surrounded by dust, and they lead one of the worst offenses the Bengals have ever featured. It proves your wisdom that you never wanted to move Andy Dalton off of the Dalton scale, You know where quarterbacks above the line are franchise quarterbacks, below are not franchise quarterbacks. You never really bought into the, the Dalton great season totally, and now we're kind of seeing it's not hit totally his fault, but he rises and falls. The knock on him has always been that he doesn't raise the play of people around him, that he is totally dependent on having a strong supporting cast, and I think that's borne out this year. When I watch the Bengals, and it's been hard to do of late, I see a team that, like, organizationally, and this is a this is a bad bad job by them, they waited an extra year, if not more, to blow this team up. They, 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 we are looking at the team that should have been wiped away last offseason from head to toe. You find a new quarterback, you start to get real about that position, and you look at everything, and they did nothing. As they normally do in the offseason, they did nothing. What, Lions what, fans, go ahead. What do you guys think they'll do at quarterback going forward? I think they'll keep Dalton mostly. I think you got to draft. He's under someone. contract, right? And he's very cheap too. For a franchise quarterback, he's making like fourteen million dollars next year. Like you can go draft someone, anyways. It, it'll depend on the new coach. But to me, Andy Dalton is kind of an asset at that price, and unless you got a better option, it's like, what are you going to do? Replace him with Alex Smith? That's not. That's not. It just feels depressing to me if you Did don't you go draft. Yeah, draft the Bengals in the bag in the river. Look correct draft. on Sunday. Yeah, they've been. They've been. <laughs> They've been in the water for they, the entire week. They are leading the league rankings in struggling to get to the finish line. Like the season is just a horrible <laughs> right. weight yeah. on them and their fans. They are number one. Number two, I've got a full top five here. Colts, okay. number two. Texans are number three. This season has just been pointless for a mm-hmm. while for the Texans. Uh, the Redskins sneaking in. Even though they have a good record at six and eight, there's just a misery and a pointlessness to mm-hmm. all of that. And I'm going to put the Bears at number five because of their coaches. The Browns at least have something to play for. They have, they have, they have embarrassment to try to prevent. What did you title this index? The <laughs> struggling to get to the finish line rankings. The, I don't know. Can the season p- please be yes. over? Yes. Like if any of these teams could just choose to end it Could right this now. season end fast yeah. enough for the New York Giants? I feel like they That's fair. Get that I, mean, I overlooked it. They I think it's the kill us now rankings. Yeah, this should, and that's why the Lions, Lions fans probably don't feel like the luckiest fans in the world. Last year, won a lot of close games, had some excitement with a pretty uneven team, ended up making the playoffs. This year, you're playing the Bengals at the perfect time, and you play the Packers next week with Brett Hundley at the perfect time in Week 17. And I think the Lions have a very good chance to sneak into the playoffs. Let's hit that calculator here. It's not that tough. They are the team with... Wait, you're uh, not online yet. No, I'm just... (laughs) It's happening. Now you're online. Go. They are the team with all the (laughs) NFC tiebreakers other than Atlanta. So all you got to do is real simple win these two games against two dead teams and watch the Falcons lose two in a row against the Saints. That's a bigger problem. Yeah, it is, but against in New Orleans and then home for Carolina, those are two tough games. The lose Falcons teams, not great. A lot of these I teams need the Falcons to lose out, and I think I th- it's a tall I mean, order. I think it's going to happen. And so then, then Detroit's reward for that and for their fan base, which has not just had a bit of a tough time, that fan base has been through utter, endless hell, gets Jim Caldwell again next season. Quite possibly. And the Rams. What a, the what a, round, which what a as Chris would say, a Pyrrhic victory of sorts. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, before we move on to the next game, on Tuesday's episode, which I heartily endorse and you should check out, 
uh, with Connie Fox in the studio. Uh, we went around the room and nominated uh, players, former players that we'd like to see their numbers retired by their respective teams. I thought it was a really good exercise for Chris Wessling, who wasn't here. So now let's give him the opportunity. Well, Wes, nominate somebody. I have broken up with the Bengals, but I maintain a deep appreciation and fondness for their 1970s and 80s teams. Anthony Munoz is, in my opinion, and the opinion of many people who study the game, the best offensive lineman in NFL history. Mm. The Bengals have retired one number ever, a center named Bob Johnson who played in the 70s. Anthony Munoz, who is way better than Bob Johnson, does not have his number retired. That's so weird. What did they did? They just put a lo- the freeze on because uh, some of these teams was don't Bob Johnson anyone. that much better than other? I, I'm not too you know clued into his history, but he is, was a, is he truly the second best? Let's say Bengal of all time. No, he won a couple. Of, he went to a couple of Pro Bowls. This stems from Mike Brown, and I talked to Solomon Wilcots about this a couple of years ago. Mike Brown um, sort of has a 1930s mentality. Yeah, and see? His opinion is you don't do these rings of honor, you don't retire numbers, you don't celebrate your history because you don't put one player above the other 11 on that side of the ball, the other 22 on the team. He thinks it takes away from the team aspect of football. The Patriots will now run out of the tunnel yeah. as a team. I'm sure he's a lot of fun at the holiday party. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Munoz is a Hall of Famer. I don't know what else we need to do here. <laughs> um, all right, there you yes. go. There's Wes's nomination. Let's now move on to the Miami Dolphins. Six and eight, the charade that they were in the mix is no longer there because <laughs> the Bills beat them uh, handily last week. Now they go to Kansas City again. This is interesting this week so far, not in terms of like intrigue as, as much, but a lot of these teams that have a path to the playoffs or are in the mix have a nice path to get there if they just take care of business. The Chiefs are another team. They're home to Miami at Denver. Eh, well, you know, now Trevor Simeon's out of the mix. Is Brock Osweiler going to keep playing well? I don't know. But first things first, you got to beat the Dolphins at home. How do we feel about that, Greg? I'd feel great if I'm a Chiefs fan because they, they win the division with a, a victory. Uh, Chargers are done. Magic number is one. They, the Chiefs only need one you know, combination of a loss by the Chargers or a win by the Chiefs. And I don't really see many reasons to buy into the Dolphins on the road. I have never seen a quarterback or a team in general, but especially a quarterback, look colder than Jay Cutler did last week in <laughs> Buffalo. He just didn't want to be there. He looks like me in the cold, just like <laughs> he's sort of hunched over. And it's just like you just can see the misery on on his face and the, and the rest of that team. Don't, uh, he, don't be- he belongs it. in your power rankings of people waiting for the season to end and probably wishing it never started. Well, he look. I mean, he should have retired on the Monday Night Football. That's what I'm it would have annoyed all the Dolphins, but it would have been a great to way to go out. out because he looked plenty motivated ten days ago or whenever it, it was. It was warm there. It's like and, 77. And then in the cold weather, he's like, eh, maybe that's why he went to Miami. What a weird season for Alex Smith, who has been one of the least effective deep ball passers throughout his Chiefs tenure. Then this year starts, and for the first quarter of the season, he's the best deep ball passer in the league by efficiency metrics. Uh, he goes through a midseason slump where people are actually calling for his benching for some bizarre reason. And since Matt Nagy took control of the offense, he's back to being the best mm. deep ball passer in the NFL again. And he's got the pressure of knowing very likely that this could be his last chance to make a long run as a, that's Chief, true. As a member yeah. of the Chiefs. I mean, with, with Nagy in there, 31-26 and 30 points, the offense looks different. It's back to what it looked like you know, before the leaves came off the trees. And is it 
is it Andy Reid still running the show with this offense? What is it that he's doing, do you think, that's so different? Why I mean, is he calling literally completely different game plans than Reid would have, who knows the offense so well? It's, it's a bit hard to discern what the difference is between well, Reid and Nagy. I, I don't know as far as specific play calls, but they're definitely run blocking better and running better, and then I think that has helped dial up those deep shots again. Romo, Tony Romo mentioned it, it removes all your tendencies in one move. That's true. Yeah. And so for three or four weeks, teams have a trouble kind of knowing what those t- tendencies are. By the way, this Chiefs versus Ravens is mm. the most likely playoff matchup at 67% chance of happening. Mm. Is that your playoff calculator? That is not mine. I read that somewhere else. <laughs> Chiefs, exciting. You know the entire NFC, the top five seeds in the NFC aren't going to get back to the playoffs. Or, or right now, are teams that weren't even there a year ago. It's like the Chiefs, in the end, are probably going to get back with a home playoff game. They still, in their mind at least, have to feel like everything is in front of them and they got a shot. All right, let's move on now. An AFC East game. Here's some stakes for you. The Buffalo Bills haven't been in the playoffs in almost 20 years, and now they have a shot. But they got to go to New England. And beat the Patriots. And that is a tall order. Mark Sessler, because the Pats coming off that win over the Steelers are now lined up for that one seed, and they're not going to want to give that up. I don't know about having a shot if you're Buffalo. You look at the, they are right now the sixth seed, as you said. Among those current playoff teams, they are the last in point differential, yardage differential, sack differential, points per game, and they are the second in points allowed. Worst. Among the current playoff quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor is worst in passing yardage, touchdowns, yards per attempt, and sacks taken. I think this is the end of the Bills. Mm. Three days away, they're done. Probably. I mean, Tom Brady's twenty-seven and or twenty-eight and three against the Bills. Not that that matters in this matchup, but they they played it a couple weeks ago. McDermott goes with his own defense. They slow the Patriots down, but ultimately Brady did what he wanted in that game. It just took a while for them to score on these long drives. I don't. I just don't see why they would have enough answers unless Lashawn McCoy and Tyrod Taylor as runners just take over the game and, and kind of make it into a, a, a low-scoring game that, that both teams are scoring McCoy like a high what, percentage. 93 yards in that, that first matchup. They lost 23-3. to He's going to have to have... I watched the Bills the last couple weeks. I'm just not impressed with their offense on any level. I will ask you this, Greg. Um, Throne of E's question. So the touchdown drive, the ultimate game-winning touchdown drive where Gronk just went nuts and Brady and Gronk connected... Um, Obscures maybe the fact that they weren't explosive against the Steelers. And if you go back to week 13 now, they are kind of a middling unit in all the major uh, statistical rankings. Uh, Do you have any concerns that the offense is not quite right right now? Or did you see enough down the stretch against Pittsburgh? No, I felt really good about that in terms of the offense in Pittsburgh. They moved the ball. That was a game of of a low amount of possessions. They basically did what they want. They had the same yards for play as the Steelers. I think that was an offense-dominated game despite the score. And the same thing happened against the Bills. They were missing Chris Hogan. They're missing Rex Burkhead now. Maybe Hogan's back. I'm not too worried about the offense. What is the Burkhead situation? He is out this week, and... And we'll see. It's a sprained knee. Mysterious things. Oh, people need to rewatch that Steelers game. First of all, it was a great game to rewatch. Second of all, it was one of Brady's best games of the year. His ball placement was phenomenal, and he did not look like a struggling quarterback, and they did not look like a struggling offense. Uh, I will. This is more sports, not um, takedown of what Wes just said, but. He threw a ball right in the hands of a defender that would have short circuit. It was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. I, and I never hold that against the, the quarterbacks. 
Two. What quarterback drops the, by the no no the tip the tip balls anything can happen on a tip ball I mean if it's something that's like a regular problem I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep who's it. your boy on uh, Cincinnati in the Super Bowl in 1990 that dropped the ball in the end zone Joe Montana oh 19 that was the 88 season 89 Super yeah. Bowl it was uh, Lewis Billups yeah, in the Billups. end zone we used to call him third and Billups. Because you knew if it was a third down pass, it was going to be complete against Lewis Bill. Yeah. That is a, one of the most crushing Super Bowl losses you could ever imagine. Crummer uh, having the worst Super Bowl injury in history yep. and then refusing to go to the hospital while his leg's broken in half. Yeah, they had to say, hey, if we don't get you out of here, you're going to go into shock and you could lose your leg. And that's yeah. what got him finally out of uh, Joe Robbie Stadium, I believe it was. Uh, before we move on, did you have something else, Greg? I was just going to say, he reminded me about the Kelvin Benjamin trade. Who's he? Pronoun, uh, pronoun, pronoun. Chris Wesseling reminded me. The Kelvin Benjamin trade has not worked out too well. He has 120 yards in four games. The Jordan Matthews trade did not work it's out healthy. too well. Basically didn't do anything. The two of them have combined for under 500 yards this season in what's been kind of a full season out of the two. Oof. Disaster. They're both, they're both banged up this year. But yeah, the passing game is banged up all year. Uh, before we move on, uh, I like this um, little subplot going around around the Patriots that a report from the Boston Globe that Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero, who has actually a facility or a shop in, in the mall where they play their games, the Patriots, uh, and there apparently is a rift between Guerrero and Belichick, according to the Globe, and it's reached the point where uh, the Patriots have banned Guerrero from treating other players that aren't Brady, he's also reportedly banned from boarding the Patriots team jets. And his sideline accent access was revoked. Saucy. Mm. What's going on behind the scenes? First of all, your thoughts on that, Gregors? Well, let's get the ascension fa- in well, the ranks. First, let's get the facts straight. He is yeah. treating. Well, let's get the facts straight. Well, he's treating plenty of Patriots players. They just have to go to his office, which is five minutes away. So he wasn't banned from treating them <laughs> during the game. He he was banned from treating them. He's still in the locker room. He's still like Tom Brady's guy. Clearly, Bill Belichick felt like at some point it was. It sounded like it was becoming a conflict between his training staff and Guerrero. And he decided to shut it down. And Belichick before has talked, when they've asked about Brady's diet and Brady's X, Y, and Z, he has pointed to his own Patriots training staff over and over. Mm -hmm. I think that he's being loyal to his own guys. He's no longer permitted to treat players other than Brady in the office. Right. Which makes sense, by the way. Yeah, they just, now they take a little... A little cart that brings him ten minutes. You know, it's like down down the mall or whatever. Anyway, some sad, some brave, um, doomed soul decided to ask (laughs) Belichick about the situation. And here's the one thing that you need to know because maybe I don't know who the reporter was. Uh, Maybe he is a veteran of the Belichick beat. Um, But what he what you need to know if you're going to ask Belichick something, especially something that probably isn't going to sit well with him, which is most things, but especially something where you know it's something that's maybe in the news and is negative or critical about the Patriots, that you better have a very um, concise question. Don't give Brady or Belichick anything to pick apart and distance himself. And that's what this reporter made the the mistake of doing. Let's listen to how Belichick uh, got out of this one. Coach, would you say that Tom's relationship with his trainer is like if your adult son or child who's hanging out with somebody you didn't really care for all that much? I mean, it's your adult child. What are you supposed to say? I'm not really sure what the question I mean, talking about my children, I, I don't really think that's appropriate here. I'm trying to coach a football team. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make it per- I was just thinking. What are, you really, like, what are we talking about here? I just meant, is it something that kind of frustrates you because it takes the focus off of 
him taking coaching from you, in your opinion? There's a lot of pronouns there. Like, I don't even know who's talking pronouns. about what. Cut that, Lindsay. We want that pronoun drop. It's cut. You're there? I would just run sorry. out of the room. No, it's a Here's the thing. I like the sorry for Belichick at the end. And then he walked off. Oh, he wasn't sorry. Picture. Belichick, and that's the thing. Belichick knows exactly what the guy's asking. He knows exactly what he was getting at. But if you give him that window where you mm-hmm. can pick apart your question, if it's a little clunky, if it's a little bit of fat, the question. It was pretty clunky. Then you're never going to get an answer. At all, and you're going to be made fun of, essentially. Well, the follow-up question, it, the guy f- seemed to be utterly terrified. I don't yeah. Oh, the last sentence <laughs> he spoke was so timid. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. He's like, how fast can I get out of here? I'm just kind of wondering maybe about. <laughs> There's a lot of pronouns. Out. What, I, what I like about this situation is the contortionist act people are pulling off to relate it to Jimmy Garoppolo's recent success. I've heard a lot of. Uh... Oh, yeah. And all these reservations now that the Patriots must be having about going with Brady over Jimmy G. Well, maybe they could – the reservation is not that to me, but maybe – could we have gotten more than a second-round pick for this guy? Well, I still kind of think that yeah, that's, that's all timing that's and fair. limiting. From what I've read, Belichick did not want to trade him to an AFC team. He did not want to send him to Cleveland because he respected him too much to deal with Cleveland's mm. uh, mess of an organization. He so, still hates them. Yeah, I, I think that Cleveland was not an option for him, and he likes Jimmy G – so much he respects him so much that he won them in the N- NFC. I think the plan was to keep him. I really do. John Lynch said on the radio on Rich Eisen show Thursday that we called them a couple times in the offseason and Belichick was just like, "Nah, we're keeping him." Yeah. There was no talk then, but they they couldn't get a contract then. If I was Big Mac, I would have said, "Hey, Billy, this is like you're the GM episode. Uh, I'll give you a second and a seventh. Let's let's make some magic." I don't think yeah, Belichick to the wants Jets, the extra yeah. seventh. What? Yeah. No, to the 49ers. Hey, You're right. Draft capital Hey, talks, listen, guys. he traded Bledsoe to the Bills, but that was a different situation. He that knew Bledsoe trick. was done. Right. That was a trick. Uh, let's <laughs> move on. The Atlanta Falcons, 9-5. and five. Uh, They uh, have won five of six somewhat quietly, and they got by Tampa Bay on Monday night. And now on a short week, they travel to New Orleans to face the Saints, uh, who didn't play incredibly well against the Jets, but they, they took care of business to get to 10-4. and four. So it's a one-game um, lead over the Falcons. Also, the Panthers in the mix there. This is going to be a great battle, Wes, or is it? Well, I think the Saints are undoubtedly the superior team in this matchup. And even though the Falcons have won five of six games, they have not looked good doing it. They've had their fair share of luck. That said, I would warn against people giving this victory to the Saints, especially with Tevin Coleman coming back, Devontae Freeman coming off his best game of the year, and the Saints' run defense being picked on lately, even by the Jets. Mm -hmm. The the Saints rank 26 in Football Outsiders' run defense metrics. You can beat them on the ground, and it would not surprise me to see this Falcons offensive personnel all back to full health now have, have a comeback game. I know Julio and Matt Ryan are struggling with their connection, but but a 150-yard game, even against Marshawn Lattimore, would not surprise me. Wow. Kenny Vaccaro, by the way, not going to play in this game or any other game. That will help um, the Saints defense. Yeah, he is out for the season going on IR. I do not think that helps the Saints defense. Have he, you been watching him get picked on he with has, his defensive pass interference but he's, st- he's still better than the next guy, and he plays. he's good in run defense. I think he's been playing injured, and people have been picking on him quite a bit. A.J. Klein was a big injury for this team. He is now on injured reserve. He got hurt in the first— Falcons game, but he was put on IR. He has really improved their 
team overall, and Manti Teo replacing him is not something that uh, makes me feel better. And they've really missed Alex Okafor. This is not the same Saints defense that was kind of surprising us early. I was going to lock up the Saints, Wes, and your argument scared me for away from doing it, and I'm no longer going to do it. Is that a first for the lockup? I think so. I, I was going to lock up the Saints, too. I don't know, Wes. I had a race to the Browns honor. Suddenly, I started oh, like... No, you know what? You're no hero. Literally, I just started seeing what you're saying, and it's going to be – and this is like the great – it's a great rivalry game. Oh, I knew I could appeal to that. You love this rivalry. I mean, Sean Payton literally made a choke sign at Devontae Freeman during the last game. I mean, that's Ben acted like he didn't remember doing it, and then yesterday had to acknowledge that that it haunted him for the rest of the game. Okay, whatever, buddy, Sean Payton. But let me tell you something. Matt Ryan could have had five (laughs) picks when they played two two weeks ago. Everyone talks about the Drew Brees interception at the end. Matt Ryan – he hasn't w- he's well. throwing the ball all over the place in the wrong way in that game. You got into like a carnival barker cadence there for a second. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And that right. No, because you well. know what? That was like the Step most. Right up. That was We've the most. We've got monkeys. We've got elephants. That was the I... most Sean Payton narrative you could ever imagine. It's an elephant. Claiming that he doesn't remember doing a choke sign to an NFL player. I would remember that, I think, if I were a coach. You get flat, you get fined for that game for running out onto the field, and then you then this week you, you say like you don't remember any of it happening, and now you do? Come on, Sean Payton. We got flying monkeys. We got sad donkeys. Step up for the bearded lady. <laughs> Cotton candy and popcorn. You got me thinking, Wes, this is going to be a shootout. <laughs> What's wrong, Mark? Huh? What's wrong? You don't like Continue that? Continue on. <laughs> he had an incident at the circus as a kid. Yeah, was there a circus? I actually <laughs> don't think I've ever been to a circus. Hmm. Really? Not a large one. Maybe no, one little tiny one in really a field or something. Uh, circus a is field circus. That's why they've been kind of wiped out. This is, this is the game. I mean, Saints offense got to win it on their own because I don't trust the defense quite enough. Michael Thomas, I'm a little worried that they don't have secondary receivers. Michael Thomas has a higher percentage of, I believe, yards and receptions than any Saints receiver in the Drew Brees era. Brandon Coleman fumbles the ball a couple times last week. That in Ted, the red zone. Ted Ginn's kind of disappeared. They, they, I think they missed Kobe Fleener a little bit just to have a tight end well, out Ginn, there. Ginn didn't play last week because he had a rib injury. I think he's supposed to play this week. That would help. That's good. But Michael Thomas is a true number one. He's great. So the Falcons just need one of these last two games. Right? I don't know why it sounded so negative. I still think the Saints are going to win this oh, game. Oh, you're, you're doubting yourself now. No, I think the Saints are going to win. I'm not going to lock it up because I think mm. you're right. It's going to be a close game. I was feeling, I was really feeling like they're going to run away with Feel it. Feel scared. Mm. A little uh, yellow? Yeah. Falcons in control of their own destiny if they lose this game still? Go yeah, because they, they just need one win in the final two games, and they really they, make, make it a lot more simple in terms of the Seahawks and the Cowboys. And they win the, the division Lions. if they win out. Yeah. They, they're, they're, wow, that yeah. would be wild. They have a crazy. I don't see that happening. That would be crazy. There are some it's... crazy. I mean, the Panthers still have. A, wow. They still have a chance. Do they have a chance for a bye? In theory, it's not going to happen because the Vikings aren't going to lose. But hmm. they're still right in it. As 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 weird as this season has been, they're right there. Same record as they had last year after 14 games. Um, yes, and then they won every game, and then. Uh, Something bad happened in February, but which caused Sean Payton to uh, make a sign that. about it months so later. So it all comes together. <laughs> Moving on, here's a team um, that let this room down. The Chargers laid a big stinking egg on Saturday night at Arrowhead. So now they're seven and seven, which means uh, they have almost uh, well, they still have a shot to make the playoffs, but they got to win out. That starts with going uh, to the Meadowlands to beat the Jets. Uh, the Jets, uh, despite having, on balance, uh, a season that's been a modest success by the, by the standards set by the football cognoscenti, 
entering the season. Still five and nine and have lost uh, six of eight. So the Chargers here, a good spot, Greg. Great spot in terms of their matchups and their scenario, which I don't I think they're the AFC's version of the the charge of the Lions where it's not that tough. I don't think you beat the Jets. You beat the Raiders, the the Bills. You just need them to lose in New England this week. And uh, and you watch the Titans lose two straight against much better competition, Jacksonville and the Rams. And the Chargers are sliding right into the playoffs. Yeah, and we, should want them. we should want them over Buffalo. I mean, they. I get that they tripped up last week. But over the span of the last month plus, they've been one of the most fun teams to watch in football. There's a lot of re- overreaction to their loss at Kansas City combined with the Jets playing the Saints tougher than people expected. I kind of thought the Saints would have blown out the Jets if not for those two Brandon Coleman red zone fumbles. But the Chargers are clearly the better team. And how how many wins do you think the Chargers would have right now if, say, Belichick or Andy Reid was the head coach? Hmm. At least 10. Yeah. 11, because they would have figured, they wouldn't have got, the kickers, I just can't imagine Bill Belichick having that kicker situation. He would have planned ahead better. They just signed another kicker this week, by the way. They have another brand new kicker. I, I Belichick more than Reed. With Reed, maybe flip the record with Kansas City. The Chargers aren't the same team that they were, though. The, Hunter Henry is out for the season. You called him a top five tight end. I, I totally agree with that. Wesseling called him a top five nice. tight end. Corey Legit is out for this game, and Denzel Perriman, who turned around their run defense, is out for this game. So even if they can win against Bryce Petty, who didn't look that good last week, that's not the same team if those three guys aren't coming back. And Henry, we know, is not coming well, back. Well, they are playing Bryce Petty, which means I'm locking it up. Ooh. I mean, that's Bryce Petty made two throws the whole game last week. You're basically. sticking with the Chargers. I like it. That's your team. Stay yeah, I'm not afraid. Uh, this is a bold statement. I, I'm, I don't believe in curses. I'm not a Chargers going to Charger guy. They're a good team. They'll beat the bad team. They're not going to Charger against the Jets. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Like Greg said, their route to the playoffs is much easier than people think. We'll see. I don't know if I believe in curses, but some organizations just mess up a lot. Yeah, the Bengals. Chargers are one of them. I believe that the Bengals have ghosts. Uh, Two other. Mo Wilkerson, who got benched after showing up late to another practice. Uh, He is back practicing, but I don't think they're going to play him because they are going to dump him after the season, and they don't want him to get hurt because then the money becomes guaranteed. And Keenan Allen, and we all know how important Keenan Allen is, uh, he is off the injury report. And uh, Manish Mehta had a, a report that Sheldon Richardson and the Jets might get back together. I don't know. Maybe we should just let that one lie. Yeah. I don't know. That that defensive line, which was so stocked a couple years ago, is essentially, it was just head cases. Yeah. Well, they still got Leonard Williams, but yeah. They got Big Cat. They got the Big Cat. Let's move on. Week 16. Here we go. Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. start the Los Angeles Rams. The great team of around the NFL. Team of Oh, yes. They destroyed a reckoning in Seattle. They destroyed the Seahawks. They are 10-4. and four. They lead the NFC West. They can get a top seed still in the NFC. And now they go to Tennessee to face the Titans, who have lost two straight and look every bit like a team that's going to limp their way out of the playoff picture. Do they stop the bleeding in Week 16, Mark Sessler? The Titans? Yeah. <laughs> no. 
I mean, this Rams team, you look at their point out point every week. They are pouring on 35, 40. They cross 50 points at one point. I mean, they are destroying teams with their offense. And you watch, go back and watch how Jimmy G with nothing around him carved up this defense in the final quarter. He took the lead twice. The Titans do not have a terrible defense, but they could not get anything. They could not stop Jimmy G. I don't see them stopping the Rams. It has been... They're going to get a home playoff game for the first time since 1985. I think we can all get behind that because we may go to it too. But this Rams team has got to be looked at with all the injuries in the NFC as the team that I think is the most dangerous outfit and is going to be the toughest to take out. I really hope the Titans lose their last two games. Uh, and it'll be so fitting that Matt Castle will have cost them the playoffs. And we can have a frank discussion about the fetishizing of veteran security blank-up quarterbacks instead of a better backup quarterback situation. Matt Castle should have never been on this roster. It's going to cost them. They would have won that Dolphins game because the Dolphins played so awfully with any other quarterback. That's true, Castle. but they in no way deserve it anyways. And ultimately, they'll, if that happens, they'll have lost four straight games to end the play, to end the regular season with Mariota, and I think it's because they get out coached every week. Bruce Arians out coached them, Mike uh, Malarkey, Kyle Shanahan out coached Mike Malarkey. Now he's got to go up against McVeigh and Wade Phillips. Good luck. And then I think if they go eight and eight, there there could very well be a change for Marcus Mariota in the head. In the, the, the one time that they went up against a true AFC power, the Steelers, it was an embarrassment. They got wiped out in that game, and they've not shown anything since. They, they moved the ball really well once they went to hurry up last week, and Rashard Matthews kind of complained about the coaching staff. Or at least we got to let Marcus call the plays more often and do that. The second they did that, about midway through the second quarter, they basically did whatever they wanted on offense too. So maybe we'll see a little more of that this week. A little under the radar um, this week, but it's, it's a big deal because Greg Zerline, who's been one of the best kickers in the NFL – uh, this season, he was, he was just elected to the Pro Bowl. He's done for the season. Herniated disc in his back. And the Rams now have signed Sam Fiken to be his replacement. It sounds like a made-up name for a kicker. And you're going to insert this guy, this no-name, into the middle of a Super Bowl chase. And it's tricky. we'll see what happens. Concerning. It's, it's, sh- it's concerning. It's a shame. Greg DeLeg was going to break David Aker's single-season record for points by a kicker. He only needed, I believe... Eight more points over the final two games to do it. They still might have the best punter in the league, and they still oh, might they have do. the best return man in the league in Farrow Cooper. The best special teams in the league. Sli- slipping under the radar. But the reason they scored all those points last week was more about the special teams in, in the defense, and Farrow Cooper especially setting them up on the other side of the 50 every single possession. My one last plea for Sean McVay, coach of the year. The Rams' 17.3 points per game difference from last year is the highest in the Super Bowl era by more than two points per game. They have the greatest increase in yards per drive, scoring rate per drive, and TD per rate per drive of any team in the league this year. The Redskins have the greatest decrease in yards per drive mm. and the third greatest decrease. That's the offense he was running last year. He has made that much of a difference in the NFL. Don't we think he's wrapped that up? I keep hearing from Mike Zimmer fans and Doug Peterson and Doug Marone fans, and that's fine, but we see what those guys do every year. We see those kinds of coaching jobs every year. We don't see what McVay – I've never seen what McVay's done. All right, 17-17, to 17, NFC Divisional Playoffs. Lions hanging around the Rams at the Coliseum. Everyone's shocked. Wild card, yeah. Well, wild card, excuse me. And here we go, 45-yard attempt by the Rams to win it at the end of regulation. Do you trust Sam Fiken 
or Johnny Hecker? I'm sending Hecker out there. <laughs> that guy can kick. If he could punt, he could kick. I'm trusting John Fossil. Whatever he does and sprinkles on his special teamers, it all works. Yeah, you never know with Maybe kickers. he'll be good. You never know with kickers. The Chiefs picked up Harrison Butker, and he was an improvement on the guy they had before. That's true. Moving on. Dan out on Fiker. <laughs> I'm yeah. a, I got, I got a harsh. bad feeling about harsh. the Fiker. You know, because the team of ATL, we, we feel close to them. I don't want some outsider, this Fikin character, ruining everything as kickers tend to do. I'm just nervous about it. Is his name really pronounced Fikin or Ficken? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Denver Broncos are 5-9. and nine. Um, Brock Osweiler played really well against the Colts, but it was against the Colts. Now he goes to Washington to play the Redskins West. Uh, we don't have to talk about this one for that long, but what what is something to watch for in this game, you think? Will Paxton Lynch play or not? Does he have a two-game window here to do something, anything, to make John Elway have second thoughts about addressing the quarterback situation? But I think the here's my idea for a game like this, week 16, week 17. Let's start experimenting with the broadcast. This isn't radio. We don't need some somebody mansplaining the game of NFL football to us while we're watching it. It's a good time, like with technology changing, people going streaming. You need like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of feel to these games mm. just for the entertainment value. Nobody wants to watch Broncos versus a depleted Redskins team right now. <laughs> Let's start experimenting with the broadcast. It's not what what be do you want them monster. to do? Like I said, some kind of Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing, like just for... <laughs> Four guys in a podcast any, studio. Any ideas? Any Four ideas? guys in a podcast studio. All right. Now you're cooking with gas. Little, you know, subversive, maybe a little irreverent. A um, little bit of mirth. A little bit of mirth in the booth, you know. I, I, I mean, I like the plan. You've uh, There's a lot of great games this weekend, and you just uh, essentially assigned the four of us to watch Broncos Redskins as a group. <laughs> well, the massive pay- There's the catch. I'll do the it. I'll, pay- do it. I'll do it. Oh, if, if there's cash attached to it, I'll, I'll watch it. Anyway. And it removes Catalano and Lofton from the, the, the oh. broadcast. Damn. <laughs> Shots fired. I thought Catalan's been okay. You got a problem with Catalan? I, I don't think the duo works well. What about the guy downstairs, Tasker? Did a nice job in the blizzard. Game. It's usually Tasker is with um, Tasker's, Steve Burline. Tasker's with the old Burline and McCarthy. That's a that's a. Tandem. I like McCarthy. Tasker was at the snow game though with oh. Lofton. They had to bring out all the old uh, Bills uh, yeah. heroes. For that. Sometimes he does sideline reporter, but sometimes he's a third man. He's versatile. It's like, yeah, he very versatile as a pro. Totally. <laughs> Special teams ace. Let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars ten and four. They have won seven of eight. Oh, man. And they still still can get into that top two seed territory to, to grab a bye if some things go their way and they take care of business. It starts on Christmas Eve against the 49ers, who are uh, 3-0 and with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. Uh, but consider this a major test for the young passer, because the Jags defense has been making QBs look silly all season. Greg? They have so many guys that, like Malik Jackson, I feel like, I don't know if he's been mentioned on this show at all this year just about, and he has been dominating for last Con- We've Maybe. actually mentioned him constantly every week, every show. <laughs> I mean, they, they have so many guys you don't know who to talk about. Unique Ngakwe has 11 sacks and six forced fumbles. He's like the modern, he's the new Robert Mathis. It's shaped a little different, but just that speed around the edge and getting the forced fumbles. Jimmy G's been great, but I don't know. I, I don't. I see that streak ending this week, and that's why I shall lock this game up. 
Ten and four are locking up against the four and ten. I'm sort of. I mean, in theory, Aaron around here. I mean, in theory, that's a lot closer. That's the same point spread as Bears Browns, or it's lower than. Uh, than I locked uh, up a Saints. team that has I won one even... game. I've locked up a team that's won one game since 2014. I think I that's a little bit less. The than Saints the... would have been a bigger favorite. You know the rules. It's a, no one's saying anything. It's you got to look in the mirror. Did you look in the mirror? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, with you that. were good with it. I'm sort of jealous of 49ers fans right now because they get to experience one of the greatest perks of being a sports fan. The endless possibilities of having a young, franchise-altering talent. And that's what Jimmy G looks like to me. And let me work 49ers fans into a little uh, (laughs) hysteria here. When I watch Jimmy G play, these are some of the names that I think of. He has Joe Montana footwork on rollouts. He has Aaron Aaron Rodgers' ability to throw quickly and with accuracy off-platform. He doesn't need to set his feet. Decent. He, like Kurt Warner, he has a quick release and hits people in stride so they can run and make plays after the catch. Like Tom Brady, he has ice water in his veins in the two-minute drill. And like Tom Brady, he spreads the ball around to eight or nine different guys and moves the chains instead of scoring really quickly. He knows how to keep his defense off the field. He's got some elements of – he's not a guy who's killing teams outside the numbers and down the field, and I I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. But he does have some elements of some great quarterbacks. That the NFL Films Wired piece, I think that they aired on. Yeah, that was great. Turning Point, is that the right name for the show? Was was fantastic. The way that he coaches up the receivers to me, like that's how you make your teammates better. That he's speaking very specifically in terms of the coverage and the routes that they're going to see, and coming up with a plan to to help Trent Taylor and whoever else it is, Kendrick Bourne, get open. I mean, that's that's it. That's quarterback play. That was the best part of that film was him talking to the receivers. I agree. Uh, moving on, the New York Giants, 2-12, and 12, travel to Arizona to face the 6-8 and eight Cardinals. One of three games on the schedule with no playoff implications. Uh, Mark, if you got assigned to this game on Sunday, what would you be watching for? Well, I guess what I'd be looking for is really the future because there's nothing at this point outside of New York's draft pick status to, to latch on to in this game. How about a little game of what's more likely? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. What's more likely? All right. What's more likely? The Giants keep Eli Manning for one more season. Let's say some coach comes in there and reverses course and says, I love Eli Manning. Or Bruce Arians stays in Arizona for one more year. Or the Giants dump Eli as expected, but he winds up with Arians in Arizona. Well, is Arians back? I'm going with Eli staying. Well, that's one of them. Is one one of the options was just Eli in New York, right? I do not expect Arians back, and I think there's a decent chance Eli is back. I don't expect it, but when you have the owner on the record saying I want Eli back, there's got to be a chance for him to be back. Wouldn't it make sense? Let's say the Giants end up, and if they're smart, they stay right where they are. They get the number two pick. So then, if they really want a quarterback, and you know Rosen and Darnold are the two guys you would get one of them if, if your organization was looking in that direction. Eli is probably not the worst guy to have in the building when you have a young quarterback. Maybe it goes wrong because Eli is such a stalwart and all that, but I don't get the, the, the feeling that he would be Brett Farvian. Would it be the worst thing to have Eli for another year, have, have the kid a- in the building, maybe transfer over midseason, which wouldn't be, make nearly as a big wave now because the consecutive game streak is over, because there's a real in-house young kid and not Geno Smith. 
There's some logic to that. You have to make that decision in February, though. You have to decide, and let's say they have the, the number two pick, whether they're taking that quarterback in February. Because if not, then then what are you doing? Like, you, you have the free agency period first, and you have to make that decision that, no, we're not going to look around at what's available in trades and free agency. Now, Bruce Arians has a complex relationship to um, truth and lies. He's admitted before that he's willing to lie if it serves his purposes. But when the reports came out that he was retiring in October, he tweeted, news to me, nothing could be further from the truth. Hmm. So I don't, maybe, he, I don't know. I, I tend to think that Palmer, Fitzgerald, and Arians are all coming back. He has two assistants, Bruce Arians, on his staff that I think are a combined age of about 170. <laughs> Tom Moore? Yeah, Moore's one of them, and I forgot the name of the other. But it's it's like he's around coaches. He does not have a super young coaching staff. His, his peers are his age and older in many cases. There, his, staff. his book made me think he was retiring more than anything. Because he, first of all, he basically wrote that he, like one more year sounds good. And just the toll that the health takes the has, health has, has been taken on him and the excitement he has about living the rest of his life with, with his wife and experiencing things with her before health you know, really knocks him down. He he was pretty adamant about that in the book, and that's why I thought I've been thinking this is the last year. Yeah, I I talked to somebody in September that's somebody that's close to the game and is plugged in, and he said this. Everyone was aware of this that this is the end for Arians. Now, was that true? I don't know. Could he have changed his mind from then until now? That's also possible, but I guess we'll. Find I don't know out. if this Cardinal season would have done to change done much to yeah. change his mind, but that's fair. Uh, to answer your question, Mark, what's more likely? What's more likely? I think Eli being back that would be my response there. Did you give your response, Wes? Mine is Aaron's returning. Hmm. And Eli being? Eli will quarterback somewhere else. The Cardinals? No, well, that was I, a I third option. I don't think oh, it was a go to, triple. Yeah, yeah. What's more? I don't think, I think Bruce Aaron's would much rather have Carson Palmer back than Eli Manning. True. Moving on, the Seattle Seahawks. Losers of two straight, and uh, they got decimated by the Rams, of course, uh, at the clink on Sunday. Now travel to Dallas to face the Cowboys. One of those true loser-goes-home matches. Wes, I know you're excited. Yeah, it's you don't get to see the loser-goes-home match very often, and this one definitely, the loser, you're done for the season. Um, I feel better about the Cowboys. All this talk that Alf Morris is somehow close to Zeke Elliott is foolish to <laughs> the nth degree. Dak basically is sub-Jay Cutler without Zeke, uh, and he's in the Phil Rivers, Big Ben range with with Zeke. So th- there's a major difference there. He's 30th in touchdown to interception ratio since Zeke went out. The Cowboys have 75 total yards per game fewer and 10 points per game fewer, fewer without Zeke in the lineup. He is as important as any running back in the NFL. I think it's Elliott through the passing game, too. He makes incredible plays. And it's an incredible option. Treat them different. Right. You have to game plan for Ezekiel Elliott completely different than Alfred Morris. And the yardage totals, that had a lot to do with just game planning and how they had to attack with Dak Prescott not seeing the same thing down the field without without Zeke on there. I mean, it's just that he's an incredible asset and he looks like the guy could have gone away and not kept his body in shape. He did the opposite. But this Cowboys team... it doesn't look like a good team. It's not a good. It's not a particularly good defense, and they don't have a particularly good passing game. And the fact that they fell apart without Zeke. I mean, they weren't great. They weren't consistent, really, throwing the ball, even with Zeke, especially the Des Bryant and Cole Beasley. Like these two teams, if they were playing anyone else, I'd pick them to lose. I feel like they're two teams kind of waiting to be put out of their misery. But the Seahawks are even more miserable right now in terms of their 
injuries. Michael Bennett's on the field right now, but he does not seem like Michael Bennett. He's playing hurt. He was blocked out of plays by Tyler Higby last week. Like even the guys that are there that are their their mainstays are mostly falling apart. Who do let's pick this game? Mark? Uh, I will go Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I got the boys. I've got the Cowboys, and I predict that they will win these last two games, maybe against you know backups of Philly. They'll get knocked out of the playoffs at 10-6, and six, and they'll have convinced themselves all offseason that actually they were a Super Bowl team because with with Zeke Elliott, and they were not without him, and that that basically ended their season. And they'd be wrong. I could Give see that. Break. And then I, I, I have to look at the Seahawks, and I think they're organizationally wouldn't have let this happen to the same degree. But you see what happened when Jim Harbaugh left the 49ers. If this was ever a scenario where Pete Carroll was not going to come back, but you have players, Jimmy Graham, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Cliff Averill, maybe even Michael Bennett. Are these guys all going to be back? I think most of them will not be back. You could have a vastly different roster next season. And they went all in. They traded for Sheldon Richardson as a win-now move. And who was the other win-now? Dwayne Brown. Trade. Dwayne Brown, yeah. who, who is good to have around next year for sure. He's good left tackle. But they, they thought this was their chance, and the, the injuries really killed. Two of those stars, um, Bobby Wagner, who has been playing on one leg, like Michael Bennett. Um, Earl Thomas had made some type of comment that he would have been better off if Wagner didn't play uh, on Sunday, which led to that tweet that you referenced Sunday. Um, Greg on the podcast of him keep was it one of those keep your my name out of your mouth situations? Essentially, yes. E. Um, well, Bobby Wagner now has he's he he's contrite about the situation and he found guidance on the subject uh, from an interesting place. Let's listen in. I was uh you know I was it's funny I was listening to a um, Kevin Hart interview uh, last week and he was kind of in the interview he was kind of talking about um the way he kind of handles issues and handles things he likes to face them, you know, head on, don't want to run from them. So, you know, um, I'm pretty sure y'all going to ask. So in regards to everything that happened, you know, do I feel like I, um, you know, mishandled the situation? Yeah, there was a better way of going about the situation. Um, I could have did better. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you live and you learn. Uh, It's better. The crazy thing is, though, Earl Thomas completely refuted that account and said they basically didn't talk, and he said, ain't no patching. If that's in your heart, that's cool. Let's finish strong. Ugh, tough. No, he, that was, there was no forgiveness in Earl Thomas's heart. Well, maybe Earl Thomas needs to watch some Kevin Hart, uh, <laughs> a press tour by Kevin Hart for his latest bad movie. Let's move on. Uh, the Monday night, uh, that's Christmas game, Monday afternoon Christmas game, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. We know the situation with the Steelers after Sunday's shenanigans uh, against the Patriots. They need to have any chance to get that first seed back. They're going to have to win out, and uh, it starts with the Houston Texans. That feels like a layup, Greg. You would think so. This this game will tell us something about the Steelers. Like They should be not not drained from last week from an emotional really couple weeks against the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. They should be ready to put that taste out of their mouth and just destroy this team because there's really no excuse. No Antonio Brown, which is not insignificant, of course. uh, Martavis Bryant had his best game of the year last week. I think that's meaningful. Juju's back. Um, 
But you know how it works with these teams like the Texans who are going through the motions at the end of the year? If you let them hang around for a quarter and a half, it becomes a game the whole game. But if you step on their throats at the beginning, they'll quit and you win by four. They haven't been that feisty, relatively, the Texans, that is. Yeah, they were. I mean, they got destroyed last week. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the guy you've got to not let him keep your team in the game. I, I think that the James Conner injury, I, everyone's talking Antonio Brown, but the James Conner injury is concerning. You've got Stephen, Rid- Stephen Ridley and Fitzgerald Toussaint behind him, behind Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is going to be close to having more touches than DeMarco Murray had in 2014. And you've got to go back to guys like Larry Johnson and Steven Jackson a decade ago for a workload like Bell's. And this is exactly what happened last year. You get into the playoffs, you find your way to New England, and Bell can't play the game. They have to find a way in these in a game like this where you should be destroying Houston by halftime or the third quarter and getting someone else in there. He cannot... Am I wrong? No. I feel like the workload thing for him, we saw what happened last year. And it's tricky because they have to play to win these next two weeks now. That was the result of what happened against the Patriots. Very likely they're going to need to play this week, obviously, and the next to get that by. Everything that we've seen, including James Conner, who got very little work before he injured himself, is that they're just going to keep using Lev <laughs> right. Bell. And yeah. when, when they're done with him, uh, just like when the Cowboys are done with uh, DeMarco Murray, they said goodbye. You wonder if there's a similar plan in place going on behind the scenes in Pittsburgh but we'll see Monday night football or yeah Monday night football Christmas night football is it Monday night football or Christmas night football it is Monday night and it is Christmas it's the afternoon though is it one of them is well for us it's 5.30 start for the second 8.30pm Eastern time kick Mm. do we have to have a Christmas night game that's the Eagles game is what 8.30 yeah is this necessary in general I mean schedule gods I, I don't know. How about we, you know, everybody, go, everybody spend time it's, with the family. That's not you know how the, the NFL does. Yeah, exactly. You know. Do you know what the highest rated show, the highest rated game of the 2016 season was? Probably the Steelers win on Christmas night. And both of these, these Monday games are not the same uh, quality in any way. And they're not, af- you know, only one of them is afternoon games. But I think that, that probably encouraged their thing. Have you ever read um, A Christmas Carol, Greg? Read it? Yeah. Or had it read to you, or yeah, some, some adaptation you know, of it? Certainly at school as a child. Ebenezer Scrooge. What did he learn? He learned about the spirit of Christmas, and that it's not all about making money, you know, and ratings. Right. Well, I think the NFL is all about money. What if like three on the NFL Scrooge? What? <laughs> I think they've not. The NFL has not learned the lessons that Scrooge what, learned. What if three ghosts came to Roger Goodell's estate in Westchester? And I'm just going to stop right here. This is, this is Ghost Week on the ATN podcast? <laughs> it seems like it. Uh, all right, so the game, yes, will be the Raiders. 6-8, uh, and eight, their season ended uh, with that loss to the Cowboys, kind of put their season uh, out of its misery, if you will. And now the Eagles, who bounced back um, on offense anyway without Carson Wentz. On defense, it was a different story, Mark. They struggled. Uh, are you going to be watching that side of the ball closely? Are you going to be watching this game? A lot of I'll stuff. Be, I'll be watching it extremely closely. And, I mean, I don't know. The defense, you went into Seattle. You gave up 24 points. You gave up 35 to the Rams. That's pretty much what everyone seems to do. And then suddenly you have Eli Manning throwing for almost 500 yards on you last week in what was a, a shootout out of nowhere. 29 points given up. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to be overly worried about it because you got the Raiders, the Cowboys. You're probably going to have home field advantage, and you got times to figure out these these issues. But I do wonder what's happened to Philly's defense a little bit over the last Raiders, weeks. if nothing not, 
uh, if nothing, are going to be loose. They got nothing to play for. The season's over. They're already not with their family on Christmas. Like, we might as well win the game. So maybe they actually come out and put some points on the board and put a scare into the Eagles. I don't know. No, that's one theory. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's an interesting theory. That's all I got. No Donald Penn in this game. Their left tackle hasn't missed a game in years and years. This is a perfect recipe for the Eagles to get their act together on defense. And I think they'd really like to, you know, because it sounded like they're going to sit their starters in week 17 if you're reading between the lines. And they could even, if for some reason the Vikings lost on Saturday night, which is very unlikely, they could do something I always think it should be the move. You rest your starters in week 16. Play them in week 17. Mm. Give them Christmas off. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't like that? Or don't rest your starters at all. That's even better. A lot of theories being bandied about this late in the show. Nick Foles, major downgrade in arm strength from Carson Wentz, I noticed. You already know he's not as athletic in the pocket, but still, four TDs and no interceptions. With this coaching staff, which is very, this offensive coaching staff with John Filippo and Frank Reich and Doug Peterson, I think they can coach up just about any quarterback. And the most amazing stat of the year might be that 25% of the quarterbacks in the playoffs are going to be guys who were on Jeff Fisher's roster last summer. Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Jared Goff. And they're all playing really well without Jeff Fisher and his offensive coaching staff. Those are the, those are the top three seeds. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, said, I don't know. Was it an Onion article that came out yesterday that Jeff Fisher was interested in the Browns job? Was that a real story? No, it's, mul- it's multiple jobs. He was interested in coaching again. It's not there is, silly. There's it's buzz there. building again. I just think it's reached the point where you can no longer sell – a fan base on Jeff Fisher. He's become an NFL punchline. If you are one of these teams that, if they ever wound up a long-time losing team with Jeff Fisher as the coach, Mm -hmm. that fan base, any one of those fans has the right to jump ship. You can't do that to the Bears, the Browns, the Bengals, whoever at this point. There's no Jeff Fisher coming in anyone's life. All right, so there you go. There is week 16 preview uh, as I said, uh, the Week 16 is spread out over three days, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Had to be that way. Couldn't just be one way. It had to be over three days. So what we're going to do is the next time you hear from us, our flagship show, instead of Sunday night, we want to get everything uh, all in ni- one nice little package with a bow on it. Tuesday morning we'll be recording a show. We'll get it up as soon as possible to you covering all 16 of these games. So that's the next time you hear from us. The next time you see us, if you want to, first of all, you can check out the NFL.com slash ATN video channel, which has all our video work throughout the season, including our Tuesday show, uh, NFL Pick'em, which uh, we were handing out gifts this week. So Seasonal. the picture of you catching a gift, I sent that as a, surprise. a tease yeah. to the audience. That was uh, exciting. Some boxes flying We've got around, snow. We've got snow falling. It's going to be a big hit. NFL Pick'em on NFL Network, 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. Eastern. We're down to two viewing, so at least we plateaued <laughs> it, too, and we're not, it's not cut down any, any further. What about the theory, uh, Greg, that you had that, well, the fantasy playoffs and all that, there's like – 4% of fantasy players are still in the playoffs now. What happened to our errors? Well, my theory last week wasn't a theory. It was the fact that NFL <laughs> games were literally on our network uh, throughout the day on right. Saturday, which is also true of what the third airing would be this week, Ravens and Colts. Go check that out. What about the fourth airing? What happened to that one? That's just gone. <laughs> I guess fantasy's getting that. Wiped away. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. Um <laughs> 
yeah, so happy, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, that the next time you hear from us, we'll be on the other side of that. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Lindsay Falton behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.